live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All football today, including football, because the staff, more than ever, has completely tuned me out. I don't even know if we're on the air. I know we're not on TV, although I can see myself. The narcissism really kicking in because we still have the television monitors, but... When I was chatting with my good friend Garrett Ritt moments ago, as he was breaking down in vivid detail what was working for the (laughs) Dutch side, amassing that 1-0 lead over Ecuador with World Cup fever sweeping the studio here in Southern California, I casually said, how far away are we from getting on the air? He said, 3-2. So here we are, ready to go. Ritt, 99% checked out. And it's only going to get worse because let me reach over. There's a button right here. The countdown to first touch is underway. Team USA and the UK in a couple hours. And now I'm going to have to show off on Mr. Soccer because this is when I get a little bit antsy. Oh, you think you know soccer? And I start telling stories. And it's coming up in the next hour about attending a Cosmos match. In 1977, as we said goodbye to Pele, where's Giorgio Canalia when you need him? I'm the voice of Arizona soccer, for Pete's sake. So we will get into what's going on in Qatar. I'm going to moralize. I'm going to rip off from Bryant Gumbel and all the deep thinkers in our industry. There is no reason other than bribe money that we're playing a World Cup in Qatar, and we're playing it in the fall. Still, I'll get you set for United States and Great Britain. I'm not going to kill the show. 95% of it will be NFL. All the takeaways from what was a good watch yesterday. And I'm older than my over-enthusiastic delivery would suggest. For years, we endured straight garbage on Thanksgiving. Even the Detroit game was thrilling. Arguably the best game of the day, unless you stayed up deep into the night to watch the Patriots almost come all the way back, losing to Minnesota. So we're going to go through all those games, look ahead to Sunday slate, and we will break it down in granular fashion. At the end of the program, 2.40 Eastern time, we'll check in with Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk. Hour before that, 1.40 Eastern, a lot of college football If you know anything about my approach, especially because I've been doing this shift for many years, shift, there's an F in there, I love college football as much as the NFL. Shh, don't tell anybody. So in 40 minutes, I'm going through every arcane scenario. What if the dominoes start falling as soon as tomorrow with TCU losing to Iowa State? I'm calling it. I'll give you a gambling lock, but I'll give you the reasons why that is likely to happen. And then in the next hour of the program, we'll bring in somebody who really knows what he's talking about. That's Chip Patterson, a terrific college football observer. And you enjoy his great work on CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ. So we have given you the overview. There's a variety of ways to get involved. You have to get past Tom, who's looking at me saying, I left New York a long time ago, and now i got to deal with this guy cutting me to try to grab a calzone on the day after Friday. Yes, Tom? All that education paid off. Ivy League, so you have to deal with me during the breaks. I went to a good school in Palo Alto and graduate school to look at RIT on a holiday weekend. This is the business we have chosen. I could go a couple Mm. ways to kick off the program with Aaron Rodgers' talk coming up in 15 minutes. What a coincidence. My thumb 
It's been broken since week five. I didn't need to tell anybody. Remember, he's immunized, so it's all good. I have been the biggest Aaron Rodgers supporter on every show that I've had on the radio that's been canceled along the years. He lost me last year with that whole being too clever with immunized, inoculated, vaccinated. He has looked terrible, and I'm not using the thumb as an excuse. I do find the timing of this admission interesting, especially knowing that Green Bay presumably is going to get pounded by Philadelphia on Sunday. So we're talking Rodgers in 15 minutes. But based on how I want to kick things off, Minnesota, New England was interesting to me to a degree, especially because somehow Mac Jones came alive. That's the best he's looked since having to endure the play-calling liabilities. I'll be kind. How about a guy who has no idea what he's doing as a playing caller in plain English in Matt Patricia? Mac Jones looked as good last night as he did for three quarters of year one last year until he hit the rookie wall, fell apart, and he was terrible in that playoff, lost the beat down to Buffalo. But to me, that is more of an indictment of Minnesota's leaky defense that we saw the week before with Dallas applying that beatdown, and we saw the week before with Buffalo amassing that huge lead before Josh Allen imploded. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Now, it's a smart business decision, and I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. Hope you're having a great Black Friday. If you want to share some tales of hand-to-hand combat at the mall, hit me up on Twitter, BW Weber, Weber with two Bs, 1-800-636-8686. If you know me from any other role other than doing my best not to destroy Jim's brand, I had a cup of coffee at NFL Network before I was walked to my car one day and my key card was revoked. When I work for the league's own media outlet, when we had the morning show that Kyle Brandt is now starring on, I did not ever hear overtly talk Cowboys because Mr. Jones is influential, but I noticed every time there was a jump ball, if we're talking about a 50-50 shot, how should we lead? It was Cowboys, 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 and at last, Dallas has given us something positive to talk about. Now, it did occur to me, getting nostalgic, driving to work this morning, I was here the day after Christmas last year. And on that holiday, America's team looked phenomenal. Remember that Sunday night game when they destroyed Washington? Well, not as lopsided a win yesterday. If you're thinking about Thanksgiving last year, that was a debacle against the Raiders. But let's just stay focused on the last time we saw the Cowboys play on that kind of stage on a holiday on the Christmas weekend spectacular last year. And I came in the studio and I told you, I believe in the Dallas Cowboys. As much as that was contrary to everything that I'm made up of, my very fiber, because Jerry Jones has destroyed that franchise that he had a role in building when he deferred to Jimmy Johnson and football people. There's a reason why the Cowboys haven't sniffed the Super Bowl since the mid-1990s. That's because of the inept management of Jerry Jones. Still, if you're watching the games, and I'll connect last year to last night momentarily, the reason I believed in the Cowboys last year was their defense. Micah Parsons flying around. And Diggs in the secondary. And Demarcus Lawrence. Well, flash forward to what we saw yesterday, what we've seen for the better part of this season. Cowboys, among the stingiest 
scoring defenses. That's the metric I look at. I don't care about yards that much, and I don't really get that bogged down in the numbers. But among the top five scoring defenses for the majority of the season, bolstered by Kirk Cousins wetting the bed last week, that's going to enhance your numbers when the opposition can't do anything. And Dallas, number one in sacks. So what did we see yesterday? I think the Giants have been overrated every step of the way. That's the New York megaphone. Not to take anything away from how Brian Dable has rebuilt the culture on the fly. In many ways, the Giants are way ahead of schedule. I still think Daniel Jones is not the solution, not even in the short term. I think they should go shopping in the offseason, but you've seen enough incremental improvement, maybe – They decide to date in the football parlance and use the transition tag or give him a short-term extension. But at least he's been a serviceable, functioning quarterback. And for him, that's a huge improvement. The issue for the Giants coming in yesterday was they were decimating the offensive line. And if you paid attention to the Lions, oh, Detroit fan, where are you? 1-800-636-8686. I didn't do my full dissertation on Twitter after that meltdown yesterday. I didn't hate the third and one play call. Now, some of that calculus is, do you believe Jared Goff can make that throw? I've seen that movie before. I'm here in Southern California, and I know Jared Goff played in the Super Bowl. Hey, Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl last year. What does that tell you? Anomaly. I didn't despise that play call, but everything prior to it, Dan Campbell looked like Andy Reid in Philadelphia back in the day, butchering the clock management. Old coach written Denver. My man, Nate Hackett, thought that was lousy clock management because it felt like Campbell's playing for the tie. Then suddenly we're going aggressive, but we're going to leave enough time on the clock for Josh Allen to dissect the defense. And it wasn't the 13 seconds that Buffalo endured in Kansas City. But that said a lot to me, the way they were able to matriculate the ball down the field, a la Hank Stram. We'll talk Lions coming up. But if you're a long-suffering Lion fan, and that is redundant, the Lions have won a single playoff game since 1957. We destroyed the Browns, understandably. And I got a lot of ethical issues with the Browns, and it's going to be disgusting when Deshaun Watson gets that standing ovation. Maybe even when he goes back to Houston, if he's clear, and I think he will be, although he's got to fulfill the terms of his off-the-field behavioral therapy modifications, namely, don't touch massage therapist. But we don't bash Detroit enough for how irrelevant they've been. But to link it to the Giants, when we saw Detroit beat the Giants last week, picking up their third straight win, and arguably it should have been four in a row yesterday— They shut down Saquon Barkley. I don't gamble on games. I love Jim Rome's big head bets, the smack talk. The fellowship is phenomenal. And my friend James Kelly just mangling every word. Participles and syntax and grammar. And I shouldn't do this because I might lose the audience. Go Ecuador! In the last few minutes, I got distracted. Ritz said, no, that happened a long time ago. Where have you been? Well, I'm doing a monologue here. Ecuador and the Dutch side, the Netherlands, tied at one in the 53rd minute. I'll keep you posted. We're multitasking here. But when the Lions shut down Saquon Barkley, that told me it was going to be a rough day for Big Blue yesterday against a stout Dallas defense. 
Well, Dak was generous. He was in the holiday mood. couple picks in the first half, and that game was far more competitive than it should have been. Dallas finds the rhythm. Giants, a nice story, as mentioned, ahead of schedule, but they've been exposed as of late. They've dropped three of their last four, and Dallas now has won four of five. I don't care if they win the division or not. I'm not undermining Philadelphia. I believe in them, obviously. Nothing close to a hot take. They only have one loss. But we saw the major flaw on display when Philadelphia suffered that defeat. They got destroyed by Washington's run game. Washington, the team we should be talking about, in my opinion, more in that suddenly, amazingly competitive NFC East. But Dallas showed me enough last night, small sample size, to go back to that notion I had at the business end of last season, I believe in this team. Now... I watched that playoff game against the 49ers, so here is going to be the follow-up. I believe in this team until Mike McCarthy makes a horrendous coaching mistake that costs that club in a high-leverage situation. Because did you notice the Cowboys had 13 penalties yesterday? That's your Dallas replay. And how many false starts can you have in the red zone? Don't answer that question because they'll have more in their next game. But in fairness... They should have won that game against Green Bay. I know they didn't. Still, they've won four of their last five. They gagged away that 14-point lead. There's a lot to like about this football team. I don't love that they get Zeke-centric, but that's Jarrah saying, I wrote the check. You got to feed my guy. But if you manage the workload between Zeke, who was effective and efficient yesterday, Tony Pollard is phenomenal with his versatility. And I don't follow fantasy football anymore because – I'm trying to have a scintilla of a life on Big Word Friday. But Pollard just reminds you of pick and play any one of your favorite hybrid guys. And I'm not saying he's Marshall Falk or Roger Craig back in the day, but he's a wonderful asset to have in a myriad of roles. I believe in Dak to a degree. Don't think he's a top five quarterback, but I put him in the upper half of the league. So you amass all of that. There's a lot to like about Dallas, but... I still don't believe in Mike McCarthy because you are what you consistently do. And we've seen it repeatedly. Mike will make a catastrophic mistake in a high-leverage situation to cost his team. Now, what happens if they get Odell Beckham Jr.? One more weapon. Do we know how good Odell's going to be coming off the torn ACL? Haven't seen him since the Super Bowl. What kind of guaranteed money is he going to receive? I think he was on his best behavior last year here in Southern California because it was a show-me deal, and he was playing for this next contract, but it certainly can't hurt unless he shows up and destroys the locker room as he's weighing the pros and cons. Doesn't Odell to Dallas just make too much sense? I mean, it's almost too obvious. I don't want to go T.O. point two 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 whatever the hell it would be, reboot edition, but you throw him in there with C.D. Lamb, who, who looked like Jefferson with his catches yesterday. I'll get back to the point. Begrudgingly, this Dallas team has many stellar components. But we're not lining things up like we're playing pickup basketball and just looking for the best players. It comes down to execution. It comes down to cohesion. It comes down to getting it done when it matters the most. Still, who do you really trust in the NFC? As I mentioned, Philadelphia has a large weakness. It is slowing down the run. 
what's going to happen come playoff time, especially when they host a game in frigid conditions. Maybe it's sloppy and raining or overcast in Philly and harder to have the opposition even throw if they want to. Well, they're going to run more. Philadelphia's going to have to answer that question. I think Minnesota is fraudulent on many levels. Remember, heading into last night, they had a negative point differential. They had been outscored. And just because Kirk Cousins had one positive game in primetime doesn't mean we throw out his abysmal body of work. Tampa Bay, somebody's got to win that division. I believe in San Francisco. Not just my bias spending years in the Bay Area. I'm not auditioning to go work for A-10 The Spread, the new home of the Jim Rome Show. A 50,000-watt flamethrower in the city by the Bay, as Jim used to say. A, a municipality by a body of water. But, and we'll get back into this conversation talking more NFC coming up. Has Jimmy Garoppolo really evolved? I realize the numbers are slightly better. It's very advantageous that he can check down as he's going to do and find Christian McCaffrey in the flat. But if you watch the games, even that Mexico City beatdown of the Cardinals, Garoppolo just misses too many wide-open receivers for my liking, understanding he's been to a Super Bowl, but if he makes that one throw, they probably win it. He was in the NFC title game last year, but he threw the interception that sealed the loss. You are what you consistently do. For Garoppolo, at least he hasn't gotten hurt yet. I'm not rooting for that, but that's been the huge issue in the past. And he just comes up with the absolutely cataclysmic turnovers at the wrong time. I am just getting warmed up. Can we go four hours today? Let's warn the affiliates because I got to stick around and do pseudo Mike Francesa. I can't do play-by-play, but here's a set piece from the corner when Team USA takes on Great Britain. I'm going to come back with... Your tweets, if Mike feels like working, because he's engaged now with Ecuador and the Netherlands locked up at one into the 60th minute. My goodness, the tension is mounting. 1-800-636-8686. In 20 minutes, we talk college football. Can I say this directly without fear of litigation? I think I can because he's a public figure. Lane Kiffin is lying. Lane Kiffin is doing his Nick Saban impersonation I'm not going to be the head coach at Alabama. Insert, I I have every intention to stay at Ole Miss. Feels like a done deal. He's going to Auburn. We'll go through the college football scenarios and straight ahead. More NFL football. It's the Packers taking on the Eagles on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers turns 39 one week from today. And what do you know? Oh, my thumb. Judge Smales, you're going to have to play this hole for me. Any chance the Packers are going to give Rodgers a birthday present of a playoff push? That is all coming up. I'm Brian Weber. Delighted to have you spending part of your Black Friday with us. In for Jim Rome, you're in the jungle on CBS Sports Radio. I'm talking with Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com, who is describing the businesses that have benefited from a tax refund via the Employee Retention Credit, the ERC through the IRS. What kind of companies have come through as a result of hearing me talk about this message on the air? Can you give me some examples? We have a uh, Best Pizza. It's in Brooklyn, New York, 12 employees. We were able to qualify them for $56,000. We were able to gap another $56,000 for them, and they were ecstatic. We had a medical professional company in San Diego with 250 employees get 
get $3.5 million. Their workforce was deemed non-essential by the government. And so they had a huge revenue decrease and that's how they qualified. And they, they are one of the groups that really maximized this credit. We've got a group in Kansas that's also an employment agency. They've got 72 employees. We were able to get them $167,000. And that's just three of the companies that OmegaTaxCredits.com has helped. There is time still for you to apply and determine if your small business qualifies for a tax refund like this. You've weathered the pandemic and the economy, so see if you qualify. OmegaTaxCredits.com. Spend a few minutes on Aaron Rodgers because that's all he's worthy of this year. And the audience is always changing, especially on a holiday weekend. I, if you care about my opinion, I have a microphone. You will listen to me. Have had the consistent mindset that Aaron Rodgers is the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. Not the best, not the most accomplished. He's looking old. Now, we have to be appropriate in our evaluation because I think we get caught up in optics and Tom Brady, whatever is going on with his face, what Jim's calling him now, Kevin Bacon 45, which is a wonderful handle. Something has changed, I'll put it that way. I might have had some work done last year. Go back and watch those those tapes. I was getting some interesting, what happened to your forehead tweets, and I've laid off it a year later, so I'm not <laughs> judging. But from a football standpoint, the paradigm of quarterbacks in their late 30s has been completely updated because we've never seen somebody at 45 playing at this level. Now, I think... It's been slightly embarrassing this year, and I understand everything he's dealing with. And now he's got to read about Giselle hanging out with the trainer. No need for a pity party for Tom Brady, nor having to set him up. He'll be just fine in his personal life. But the decline in the skill set, I think, has been tough to watch. In fairness, though, he's had a couple of good games because everybody can move the ball in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers, in contrast, looks old. And I'm not just saying the the facial setup or looking drawn or looking forlorn. He looks beat up, and he is, because he's playing behind a lousy offensive line because now we know, and I just think the timing is far more than coincidental, and another reason you gamblers should have a lot of doubts and scrutinize the injury report. How has Aaron Rodgers been walking around with a broken thumb and we don't know about it? thought the league was going to be transparent because they have all of these gambling partners and I'm not in any way anti-gambling and sign me up. How do I not have a podcast? I do in the sports book with B-Web. Download it right now wherever you get your podcast. But if, if we're going to have a narrative of you can be fully invested in sports thinking you have command of What's going on? Well, Rodgers apparently has been walking around and playing, more importantly, since week five with a busted thumb. Clearly, he is dusting off the old bromide. Well, it's not an excuse, but it's an explanation. And who am I supposed to throw the ball to? Although Christian Watson finally has showed up the last few weeks. I think what is going on now is strong foreshadowing. And remember, the last time we saw the Packers, they got abused. By the Tennessee Titans. I can learn a lot more about Tennessee when they take on Cincinnati on Sunday. Remember, Tennessee, after the 0-2 start, has won 7-8. of You could parse that saying, who did they really beat? But they only lost in that stretch. An overtime loss in Kansas City with Malik Willis under center. And Mike Rabel imposes his will on the opposition with the way he plays and extends his identity to that team with Derrick Henry pounding things away, toting the rock, and that defense will punch you in the face. But... 
Green Bay looked abysmal the last time we saw them. I don't think things will get better, even with the mini-buy heading into Philadelphia. So when that game results in another Eagle win to up their record to 10-1, Green Bay at 4-8. and eight. Here's the conversation you're going to be hearing more and more of. Should the Packers shut Aaron Rodgers down? Well, he's given them cover now, right? If he's got a broken thumb, although Dr. Aaron Rodgers says... He doesn't think it requires surgery. And remember, he knows more than any physician. He knows more than people in the field of how to cultivate vaccines. He knows more about the psychedelic experience. He knows everything about everything. Just ask him. He's Aaron freaking Rodgers. But as the Packers limp their way down the stretch, well, the team now has the alibi saying, hey, Aaron, We want you fully rested for next year. And internally, don't they have to get a look at Jordan Love at some point? They invested a first-round pick in him for a reason. And the end game from Rodgers, unless everything last year only bolsters my point, all of that drama. When I was lucky enough to be in for Jim and he's enjoying life in Wisconsin, and every day I'm trying to come up with a new angle on Aaron Rodgers. When we got to the end of the process, you know what that was? That was a shakedown. He just wanted more money. He wanted more money, and he wanted more guaranteed money, and he got both those things. You know what he did not get? A no-trade clause. So in the short term, the conversation now going to shift to, should the Packers, once they're mathematically eliminated, another reason I don't believe in the Vikings is how do you believe in that division? Although the Lions, God bless them, they are the Lions. Better than we think, and I give them credit because their defense was statistically the worst we had seen in NFL history to start the year. But once the Packers are done and they have nothing to play for, in the near term, you'll hear the it's time to get a look at Jordan Love for a real sample size, two to three games. And then I think in the offseason, the conversation shifts to should Green Bay explore trying to get a Russell Wilson-type package in return and move Aaron Rodgers? He doesn't have a trade, no trade clause, but – so long as there's mutual consent, so long as he's involved and has a say in where he's going, he wanted out, according to his own words, last summer. Now, I guess the pushback would be, how did that trade for Denver work out? Not so well. And they're on the hook for, what, a quarter of a billion? Not all guaranteed because they weren't as foolish as the Browns were with the Deshaun Watson deal, but way too much money. For Captain Cringe, who's looking more and more washed. But if you're Seattle, you're 6 and 4. Geno Smith has been a revelation. He's just a placeholder. They got a ton of draft capital in return. Shouldn't Green Bay explore that? Because they have had, other than Montana to Young, the most seamless succession we've ever seen under center in the modern era of football, far to Rodgers. But to get just one Super Bowl appearance, yes, it was a victory. But only one appearance in the big game out of Aaron Rodgers speaks a lot about the dysfunction of that organization, the neglect of the front office to build a more competitive roster. And Rodgers, while he won back-to-back MVP awards, it's not just the loss of Devontae Adams. Rodgers, to me, looks like he has, I'm not saying he's fallen off that cliff that Tom Brady jumped off of 10 years ago. Somehow he's still playing at a decent level. But I'm, I'm seeing slippage. I'm seeing a regression from Rodgers, and maybe it's a thumb injury. I don't know. I'll have to defer to Aaron Rodgers, MD. 
But just track those two components I laid out there. In December, you're going to hear more about should we look at Jordan Love in the offseason. I think there'll be more chatter. Is it time to blow things up, get as much as you can for Aaron Rodgers, and you pick the destination? Maybe San Francisco. I know they're invested in Trey Lance. Everything is negotiable. We'll find that out moving forward. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Ryan Weber with you. Always an honor to be in for Jim. I'm looking forward to Jim's anecdotes from the long holiday weekend. What do he say? I have 17 people coming over to the Rome house yesterday, so nobody shares the story better than the Hall of Famer, and he'll achieve that goal on Monday. I'm just keeping the chair warm, but hopefully you've enjoyed a lot of NFL analysis, a lot of college football. We're heading back on campus in less than 15 minutes. Looking forward to my first conversation with someone whose coverage I've enjoyed on a variety of platforms. It's Chip Patterson. You read him on CBSSports.com. You see him on CBS Sports HQ. With the United States and England, a World Cup action coming up in 30 minutes or so. I'll give you a few thoughts on the state of soccer here in the States. As always, more reaction. Bella B getting in early. Does this disqualify my friend from winning the ATP? We'll find out, judges. Uh, We'll find out in the final hour of the program. Now that McRibs are a thing of the past, what will you do with all the money you save? Botox, obviously. I'm here in Southern California. I'm trying my best to go through the midlife crisis with every cliche I can. Speaking of canoodling, now I'll do this in 15 seconds. I don't partake in online dating anymore, mostly because no one looks like their pictures. Myself included. Self-reporting. When I put up my headshot, I'm wearing makeup. Now with filters, nobody looks authentic. Plus, I'm so charming. Wouldn't you want to meet me in person? So I was out a few weeks ago, and I was chatting with someone, clearly younger, but from the East Coast, different sensibility. And you never say how old you are, but I'm thinking, I don't know, 33, which would only be 20 years younger than me, but but in the range. Look, I'm living a Southern California cliche. Big lease car, studio apartments, all front. Botox, pal. So when I found out the companion was 28 after I asked after a while, that was something that I viewed as a disqualifier. So that did not last long. And secondly, and I don't know if this is generational or probably just me, I have encountered this even with my nieces. No, my my legitimate nieces, not like Hugh Hefner. They're teenagers. What is it with young people who don't want to use the phone at all? Now, they don't want to talk on the phone. I get that. And a voicemail is like sending someone the plague. I can't even get text return by my young relatives, and I'm trying to get them Christmas presents. And when I finally talked to them yesterday, I said, I'm not asking for a lot. How about a return? Well, you should be on TikTok. Now, 
look, a man's got to know his limitations. I should not be on TikTok. And I get it's more than dancing videos. And I'm not looking to troll and meet people, but the response from people who are in my will, if I pass away, Rit takes over the final 90 minutes of the show. I got to talk to you about the last installment of the Garrett Rich show. We'll do that offline. And my nieces get the $37 I've made in broadcasting the last 31 years. They're telling me, go to TikTok if I want to communicate with them. I don't know how I got on that aside. Oh, yeah. So the money I'm there, – there's your answer, Bella B. All my money is going for lousy dates. Ken and S.A. Webbs, I take the Ole Miss job. Oh, this is good producing. I should have read this in advance. But I prefer a young coed instead. Sincerely, Pervin Liar, hashtag hump day. That's devastating. Heartbreaking. It's a good thing we're not on TV. I am blushing badly. Who seems more pervish? Perv or Uncle Brian based on that story? The point of the story was people under the age of 40 do not want to react on the phone at all. Get out of Dodge. Or maybe it's just me. Finally, oh, Alan's doubling up, but he was entertaining with the first submission. 250. Oh, this is based on my Roadhouse aside. Brian... Not only is there a Roadhouse remake uh, remake coming up, but I read a Bullet remake is coming. No, no, no. I'll go no senor, no senor on that. You cannot duplicate the cool of Swayze or McQueen. Stop the madness, Hollywood. Alanin, Manitoba's on a heater. Wore the smell of dive bars and tire smoke. Very nice, Dalton. Pain don't hurt. Going to make that our huge email brought to you by our friends at Old Trapper. Listen up, clones. Not all beef jerky is the same. Old Trapper's original, old-fashioned, teriyaki, hot and spicy, and peppered all come in four-ounce bags so you can sample different flavors to find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? And I can see the tower of beef just behind Garrett Ritt, who is still reveling in what he thought was a brilliant edition of the Garrett Ritt Show. Mm. The crowd might say otherwise. Thank you. We're doing three minutes of soccer because I have to control my need to show off my knowledge in this room. And these guys are now saying, okay, old guy, you want to tell me another story? I'll give you Georgie best along the way. Here's my thought about the macro view. And this is going to sound contrarian because I understand the mass appeal of soccer. Not only globally, it's a beautiful game. That's our most popular sport. I think it should be even bigger in the United States at this stage. Because my generation, again, 1977, I'm seven years old, dragging my old man to Giant Stadium for the farewell tour of Pele. We love soccer because I was terrible at baseball. By the sixth grade, they wouldn't pick me anymore. I was not moving on to Pony Colt or Babe Ruth. Anybody could play soccer. So I'm running around on defense. I'm not any good, but I'm running around. At least I'm doing something. I played soccer all the way through eighth grade when I realized I had no athletic talent if I was going to get into the athletic world at all, it'd be clutching a microphone, spewing hot takes. So if that's 1982, when all my friends played soccer and we all loved the NASL as it was dying, and I'm going to watch indoor soccer, the New York Arrows 
drawing 15,000 people at Madison Square Garden. How about the great Precky when you need him with the Kansas City Wiz? I'm saying just from an overall standpoint, given the demographics of the United States, given the global popularity of soccer, I think it should be even bigger here in the U.S. Now, that day is coming because you want to know why the NFL is monetizing everything they can right now? Smart owners know this is the top of the market because no parent with half a brain is going to let their kid play high school football or even contact football on the peewee level. It's going to become more and more marginalized, sadly, like boxing. The only people who get involved with boxing are those who have to. And my people, you know how many fighters were Irish Brian Weber because they had to fight their way out of the slums of the Bronx and Brooklyn because boxing has always offered opportunity, as in the inner city, basketball has. So I'm not saying football is going to go away next week, but have you seen all of the NFL promos promoting flag football? They want to make a segue, not tomorrow, not next week. Look, I'm the guy who told you 10 years ago on the Brian Weber show before it got canceled. That was the penultimate version. Finally. There will be two teams in London. Not one, two. I'm going to shift that focus. There will be two European teams. One in Germany, one in London. They can play each other, and they'll have the international series expanded. That's going to happen. I was only off a couple years. I'm saying in the next 10 to 15 years, soccer will blow past the NFL and be where I thought it would be by now, based on my prism of expectations back in 1982. And there's your breakdown of the United States and England. Look, I have, I'm going to hold it up so the staff can see. I have horrendous Qatar oppressive laws. I got a whole soliloquy. I don't want to bum you out. But that's one of the reasons I'm having a hard time connecting to this event. I can't overlook the horrendous, horrible, abysmal decisions made by that corrupt regime. I can't overlook the graft and bribery that have brought this spectacle of sport to a place it has no business being. Enjoy the game, everybody. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew. They wanted to talk about it. It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll. With an authentic big green egg. It is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right. A lifetime warranty. It is simple to light. It is easy to use. It works without a power source. You don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. 
We roll on on a Black Friday. Great to have you with us. I am open to taking a phone call or two. Isn't that magnanimous in the final hour of the program? 1-800-636-8686. It's an ATP Friday. We'll get there in 60 minutes from now. Emails, RomanHaveATake.com. Hit me up on Twitter, B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. Back to the NFL in less than 20 minutes, but I've been consistent I love college football more than the National Football League. I said it, and I'm looking forward to my first conversation with a guy whose work I've enjoyed over the years. Chip Patterson, you read him on CBSSports.com. You see him on CBS Sports HQ. Chip, Brian Weber with you. How are you? Brian, thank you for the kind words. Love to hear about your passion for college football. That is something that we share right off the jump. So uh, looking forward to chopping it up with you. How's it going? I'm doing well. Part of me just wants to go through all of the what-if scenarios. And I got Clemson sneaking into the playoffs, contingent on a USC loss to Notre Dame tomorrow, and TCU losing probably, I think, to Iowa State. But we'll get there. I have to start with Lane Kiffin because he demands it. And I thought that post-game soliloquy was ridiculous. Now, I understand Lane enjoys the moment, and Lane's all about Lane. And he's going to be peppered with questions after the Egg Bowl. But, Chip, irrespective of his intent, and that's the key word, because he was playing the semantic games, I've not accepted any job, I intend to be here next year, wouldn't he be better served by simply saying, guys, I'm only talking about the game? Maybe, but he does like a bidding war. Yeah. And Jimmy Sexton's clients do like to be able to have multiple SEC programs out there trying to run it up on each other. I, I think that I saw uh, from Lane Kiffin, first of all, his uh, internet reaction to those reports from earlier in the week all the way through his uh, post-game press conference, you know, he is as much playing the semantics game with, you know, whether or not he is interested in the Auburn job as much as he is trying to remind Ole Miss that if you want to keep me, then you need to meet some demands. But, Chip, and isn't that think, unseemly? Uh, I don't I don't think that Lane Kiffin cares about seemly. <laughs> I just – I really don't. And, like, I think that Lane Kiffin at this point in his career, he is just, like – he is weathered so much. He's got so much moss on him at this point that he is going to like do what is best for Lane Kiffin. And what is best for Lane Kiffin is to have Ole Miss freaking out that he might leave for Auburn and have Auburn freaking out that he might stay at Ole Miss. I think that he is being, if not advised, he is at least internally motivated to try and make both of these uh, SEC programs with the potential for a big contract uh, to, to want to bend over backwards to be able to make it happen. And that's a rational explanation. I just think the optics are terrible. But this is college football we're talking about. And if we continue to look at the coaching situation, if it's not Lane Kiffin, who are the other names that you think are legitimate candidates to be the next head coach at Auburn? So, Brian, that's why it's interesting. Because I have, uh, you know, Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports is somebody who's very plugged in with the Auburn community. And from the moment that Brian Harson was fired, he indicated that Lane Kiffin was the number one option. And I maintain that Lane Kiffin might have not even decided one way or the other whether he would choose Ole Miss or Auburn. But I do think that Auburn's decision makers are going to wait to hear a no or obviously a yes before they start to open this thing up. And when it opens up, that's where it becomes very interesting because uh, like, there is a question of whether the SEC, which reportedly uh, was 
not interested in welcoming back Hugh Freeze a few years ago, whether the SEC would be open to welcoming back Hugh Freeze to the conference and whether he would be a candidate for the job. There are a number of coaches who are currently out of coaching, either formerly at the professional or college level, who would be able to step in right away, who maybe even have been uh, working to assemble their staff in a way that they could hit the ground running and maybe save Auburn's signing class. And look, I, I am not going to rule out that Auburn would do the incredibly emotional thing and promote Cadillac Williams. I would not advise it, but I think that if they get told no by a couple of options in a row and Cadillac has this team, I mean, shoot, if Auburn were to upset Alabama, then it becomes really interesting. But even if Auburn is uh, competitive and continues to show the fight that we've seen from the Tigers over the recent weeks, then there, there is a potential that they could go with a more of the heartwarming story Though, again, I, I'm just going to speak from my own perspective and say that with the challenges of uh, running that job in that conference, that the, uh, the heartwarming emotional hire might not be great in a, in a sport and a league that is very cold-blooded. And we've seen that over the years. Just think about Clay Helton, wonderful man. Never should have been the head coach at USC, and I say that as an alum. We're talking college football with Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ. Before I go through my favorite thing this time of the year, all of the scenarios, let's talk actual football. How do you see the matchup between Ohio State and Michigan? And any sense you're plugged in, what are you hearing about the availability of both Michigan running backs, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards? I don't have a beat on Donovan Edwards. And you could argue that especially with um, you know Corum being such a star that – they're like ha- having Edwards could be just as significant in case you've got any sort of further injury. I think Corum's going to give it a go. I I would be very surprised if he doesn't play in this game. That is the message that he's been sending both publicly and uh, and and I think that we will see him on the field. Now, if he is limited at all, that's why I say the availability of Edwards could be just as important, just because um, he's not going to be able to give you the full workload. He is not going to be able to have that same kind of burst. I think that this is a game that is going to come down to red zone execution, and it's going to come down to getting touchdowns instead of field goals because Michigan in particular has not been very strong in this area. Jake Moody is a phenomenal place kicker, but Jake Moody has had to kick too many field goals this year, in my opinion. He's had to kick too many field goals because J.J. McCarthy can't make those throws in tough windows in the red zone. And that while that Michigan offensive line can beat you and bruise you uh, between the 20s, when it comes down to getting in scoring position, they haven't always been able to punch it in for touchdowns. That's what we saw against Illinois, and it's what we've seen against some of the better defenses on their schedule. And I think that Ohio State uh, is one of the better defenses on Michigan's schedule. Ohio State has not been perfect in that area either, though you know, that's, that's one of those issues where uh, Ohio State might be more dangerous from 40 yards out than they are from four yards out just because of the way they, they can stretch the field. Michigan doesn't have that with J.J. McCarthy like Ohio State has with C.J. Stroud. So I think that while Michigan will be able to play the bully ball game a lot in the middle of the field, if they can't punch those in for touchdowns, they're not going to lose this game. I mean, they're not going to win this game. And that's where I think that a lot of this tilts towards Ohio State in Ohio State's favor. I think it'll be a little bit lower scoring just because we're doing a lot of settling for field goals. Wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Day doesn't get risky with it early. But ultimately, one of, these, uh, one of these passing attacks is dangerous, and the other one's uh, comparatively limited. So a, a Michigan upset would – listen, a Michigan upset would give Ryan Day a losing record to mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh. A Michigan upset 
would bring to light a lot of frustration about these Ohio State teams that have had national championship talent and not been able to convert. I think Ohio State's playing with an immense amount of pressure, but the X's and O's and the talent advantage is on their side. So I see the Buckeyes winning. Chip, I got a minute for you to cover this, so I'll ask the question briefly. Georgia wins out, they're in. Ohio State, the same. Let's say TCU runs the table. I think USC loses to Notre Dame tomorrow. So if we take the Trojans out, that last spot, Clemson has a one-loss ACC champion versus a two-loss Alabama. Who gets the nod? Clemson. Um, the, the quality of being able to play a North, as long as North Carolina beats NC State mm-hmm. later today, then that will be worth more than what Alabama gets against Auburn. And you could argue that even South Carolina as a bowl team and Auburn, which would not be a bowl team, that Clemson would get two victories compared to Alabama's one that would both be of a higher quality than what Alabama has. And they told us that conference championships were going to matter um, in this college football playoff system when they first debuted it in 2014. 12-1 Clemson gets in, uh, ACC champion Clemson, gets in over 11 and or 10 and 2 Alabama non-conference champion. Chip, terrific analysis. Enjoy the conversation. I fill in a ton throughout the holidays, so I hope to have the opportunity to reconnect with you in the future. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Sounds good. Y'all be well. Chip Patterson dropping a y'all, and that makes college football, to me, sound all the more authentic. Second hour winding down. Do I even have a shot at this last hour getting on the air? Normally, super plugged in, coherent, competent, attentive to detail. Tom, he's checked out. Red has been gone since, I don't know, 1984. Damn right. That's how I United went. States and England about to get underway. Oh, you soccer aficionados. Hang with me. I'm talking NFL. Counter-programming. We'll get into what went down last night in Minnesota. Should we really be buying Kirk Cousins just after one primetime victory? We'll walk through what we saw and our takeaways from both the Minnesota and New England perspective and take you around the league. I'm talking with Jay Woods of OmegaTaxCredits.com, who is describing the businesses that have benefited from a tax refund via the Employee Retention Credit, the ERC through the IRS. What kind of companies have come through as a result of hearing me talk about this message on the air? Can you give me some examples? We have a uh, Best Pizza. It's in Brooklyn, New York. 12 employees. We were able to qualify them for $56,000. We were able to gap another $56,000 for them, and they were ecstatic. We had a medical professional company in San Diego with 250 employees get $3.5 million. Their workforce was deemed non-essential by the government, and so they had a huge revenue decrease, and that's how they qualified, and they they are one of the groups that really maximized this credit. We've got a group in Kansas that's also an employment agency. They've got 72 employees. We were able to get them $167,000. And that's just three of the companies that OmegaTaxCredits.com has helped. There is time still for you to apply and determine if your small business qualifies for a tax refund like this. You've weathered the pandemic and the economy, so see if you qualify. OmegaTaxCredits.com. Brian Weber back with you. I am winding down. That means Jim Rome is warming up. Back with you on Monday. Only have to deal with me for another 20 minutes, and I've got help. Always a pleasure to talk NFL with my good friend Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk. Josh, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. How are you? Uh, Terrific. Hope you had a good day, too. 
Everything is cool, my man. Let's start with some of the takeaways from yesterday. So, Bill's thrilling victory over the Lions. And I read your summary of the game on ProFootballTalk.com. I thought you raised a good point, so I'll let you expand on things. Josh Allen was sharp in that game-winning drive that led to the field goal. But just as a viewer at home, how did his elbow look to you? Did you see any potential impact throughout the game? There did seem to be some times where the, the ball didn't have the right zip, where he looked a little bit unsure, uncomfortable about some passes, particularly to, to Diggs. And I think that that last couple of series, I think he just feel, realized he had to trust it and go to him. And, and, you know, Diggs had three catches and then all of a sudden had five huge catches in the final two drives and, and the Bills win the game. I I think there's a little bit of a sense of, of he doesn't fully trust it. He doesn't fully know what he's got there. And, and there definitely seemed to be throws over the afternoon that were off. But, yeah, I mean, when you can win on a day like that in, in a, you know, on the road in a, in a situation like that, second game in five days, I, I think that that winds up looming larger. But, I, you know, I'm sure they'd like to see him back to 100%. Um, but he, you know, he still obviously got the job done. So, as you alluded to now, back-to-back wins achieved by the Bills after the collapse against Minnesota and loss to the Jets. Do you view Buffalo any differently now than you did a month ago prior to the slate of action? Let's find out what the Von Miller injury looks like. Uh, I I think that, to me, is the biggest question right now is I I thought the offensive line play was not good yesterday. And so, you know, the Deion Dawkins injury, center Mitch Morse was out yesterday. Those things are significant. But to win in the AFC, at some point, you're going to have to beat the Chiefs. And you're not beating them without a robust pass rush. So the Von Miller thing is – is the biggest for me. I, I think there have been a lot of other injuries in Buffalo, um, you know, Micah Hyde and, and other guys being out, but uh, the Von Miller one has, would change things for me, yeah. I'm Brian Weber, in for Jim Rome, talking NFL with Josh Alper, pro football talk. Lions probably should have won that game, missed the field goal, which was incredible with the Jim Nance jinx. You throw a safety in, they still had a shot. Had they won the game, it would have been four consecutive victories. Josh, as you were watching in real time, what would you make of Dan Campbell's clock management on that last possession and the play call to throw it deep on third and one? Uh, the clock management at the end of both halves was subpar. Uh, that's something they're going to have to improve on. They're not good enough to give – to give things away there. I'm not sure that they, you know, that, that, that cost them the game. Um, but it, it's something you got to be better on. I didn't mind the play call. Uh, you know, I, I guess I, you would have liked to have seen it that you're, if you're going to wind up being comfortable kicking the field goal, that you go ahead and kick it on the final play of regulation. Um, but I, I, the team was going for it on fourth downs and succeeding. It's, it's kind of their mentality. I thought it, the play was there, they, you know, it, whether it was a miscommunication between Chark and, and Goff or, or just a throw that wasn't quite there, I don't know. Um, I didn't mind that one as much. I don't mind going out and trying to win the game. But, uh, yeah, I, I think maybe you, you saved that one for a first down after, you know, converting a short run or something like that. Let's move on to the Cowboys, piling up over 400 yards of total offense to beat the Giants. Dallas now has won four of the last five. The loss, the collapse on the road in Green Bay. Josh, where would you slot Dallas amongst the premier teams in the NFC? You know, I, I you know after they, they beat Minnesota, I, I, I 
you know, I think if they if they can't beat the Eagles, then then they can't be slotted at the top. But I think of the teams that aren't the Eagles right now, I, I think they're the ones that they're one. You know, they're they're among the more appealing ones. They, that defense is really good. The offense has been, uh, to generally speaking, the first half was rough yesterday, but generally speaking, has been much better since uh, since Prescott's been back and. Um, I think that when you look at that depth, the, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, the Commanders, I, I, if you're going to still put the Commanders and, and the Giants in there, I, I think they're cut above the, the other two teams in their division um, and, and about equal with the 49ers as, as the team behind the Eagles. Taking you across the NFL with Josh Alper. Check out his great work at profootballtalk.com. So, I saw on the website you had the reports Odell Beckham Jr. planning on visiting Bills, Cowboys, and the Giants. Do you think it's virtually a done deal he's going to Dallas, or could there be more to that story? I think there's more to it because I, I, I think there's you know, there really is still a question of how much are you going to be making this deal for the end of this year and how much is it going to be for next year because we know that's what Beckham is looking for. He's not looking for a deal for six games. He wants – he wants a deal for next year. He wants that squared away so that he comes back and something does happen. You know, you're not going through this cycle over and over again. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for, for the Cowboys to be involved in that too. I, I think if you can get him at a relative discount for next year, that would be a really strong move for them. And and I think they're the team. Uh, I think the Bills would have, would have good use for him now. Um, I just think they're a team that it's a little bit harder to look at what's beyond this year because they've gone so all in on this year. And I think they're going to have some decisions to make about who gets to come back and who, who can stick around because they made so many, you know, so many big moves to go for it this year. I, I think that Dallas is the one that makes the most sense to me for both player and, and team. Uh, so I, I do think that's where he winds up. I'm Brian Weber in for Jim Rome. We're talking NFL with Josh Alper from ProFootballTalk.com. Nightcaps on Minnesota, bouncing back from getting destroyed by Dallas. Josh, overall, did that game last night in Minneapolis tell you more about New England or Minnesota? Well, I, I think it said I think it said some good things about both teams. Um, I, I think for the Eagles, you know, that there is that always that Kirk Cousins playing in primetime thing. There's you know these big standalone games and how they never seem to answer the bell and. Last week against the Cowboys is right on the top of that list, obviously. So I, I think it was a good show for them. When the, the Patriots came out, they, their offense looked, you know, light years ahead of the one we saw against the Jets last week. Um, and to win a game like that by making plays in special teams, by taking advantage of, uh, you know, of of the opportunities that were there for you offensively and, you know, just letting Justin Jefferson be Justin Jefferson. I, I think that was a good sign for them. And, and I thought there was, you know, I, as I said, a lot of offensive growth for the Patriots in the course of a week. Let's wrap it up with a marquee game coming up on Sunday. Cincinnati with Jamar Chase back on the practice field, healing quickly from the hip injury on the road to Tennessee. Josh, irrespective of the outcome of that game, and I remember the Titans were the top seed in the AFC last year in the postseason, do you think we should be talking more about what Tennessee's achieved with their 7-3 start after they opened the year at 0-2? Well, I, I think, yes. I think they, they've been a little bit overlooked in, in the AFC because of, of how many teams 
got off to those better starts and sort of implanted themselves in their mind. And, and then you had those games without Tannehill where the offense looked, you know, like uh, something out of the 1930s. And, <laughs> and, you know, these last couple of weeks, they don't win pretty. And, and the, there, there obviously aren't style points in the standings, but there are for when you think about what teams you're, you know, you think can win a game. Can they come from behind against a good team? Can they do the things in the playoffs you need to do? I think that's still the part with the Titans that's the, the slipping point after what happened to the Bengals last year. So, uh, you know, a win here I think would be a good step in the direction of, of reestablishing themselves that way. But, you know, quite frankly, I think Mike Vrabel's just fine with everybody talking about other teams and, and his just keeps chugging along. Josh, always a pleasure. I appreciate the insights and your availability on the holiday weekend. Enjoy the rest of the holidays, and I'll chat with you soon. All right, Brian. Have a great one. Josh Alper, and I say it again, I really appreciate anyone who makes themselves available during the holiday season because this is when Uncle Brian accumulates the funds to meet people far too young to be chatting with him. What's a glass of wine cost now in Beverly Hills? I'll I'll crowdsource that. Let's say I don't know anybody and I'm going to a high-end place because, after all, I'm on Pac-12 Network. Big game tonight, USC-UCLA, women's volleyball, working alone. One glass of Pinot Noir. The staff is paying attention because it's halftime, nil-nil, England and the United States. I'll throw it out there. The answer is $26. $26. Now, the answer is... Just buy a bottle and stay at home. But I, I don't have a drinking problem, right? I have a problem. I, I go out and, and see folks. How do I segue to that? Oh, making money. <laughs> and you know how I save money? Well, I make my money working throughout the holidays. I save money by going, segue, to O'Reilly Auto Parts. Josh was so good. That's our huge call. Thank O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. They are close. They're convenient, known for guaranteed, everyday low prices. Excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Want to thank our guests. Just two today, Josh Alper, Pro Football Talk. Chip Patterson, talking college football from CBSSports.com. Perfect timing. I can do play-by-play in my car driving home. England and the United States. Nil-nil. Chances for the United States. They left some goals on the pitch. Felt like from my expert point of view. Want to thank all of the great people allowing me to sit in again. Primarily Jim Rome, Jim back on Monday, Greg Kitchen, Spike Eskin, David Murnock, all of the fabulous folks at CBS Sports Radio. The XR4TI, they're awake because it's halftime in Qatar. Garrett Ritt, come fly with me. And Tom always does a marvelous job as the producer. I'll talk to you down the road. Jim is back on Monday on CBS Sports Radio. Good night.